0: Hey, can y'all just give it up for our worship team? I'm so grateful. It's it's really been an incredible morning uh, in all of our services just to praise Jesus and the way we get to do it. Uh, As y'all know, Bobby uh, Smith was promoted to be our new executive pastor over the whole worship deal uh, a couple weeks ago, and Mark... Cottingham, who's had that role for about 35 years, will be retiring in May, and so today Bobby's in another venue. He'll still be here most Sundays, but of course he now has a pastor the whole, the whole deal. But we have just an incredible team that helps us to worship each and every Sunday, led by incredible uh, leaders who love Jesus and people more than love music, and that's a really big deal. And, and I just, honestly, we are spoiled rotten. I don't know if y'all know that. We are spoiled rotten with some incredible leaders and we're so grateful for them. I'm also grateful this is Move Week. one of the best weeks of the year here at Johnson Ferry. And so, yeah, you can even clap for that. That's right, come on. And uh, if, if you're new here and, and you don't know what it is, you see the flags around the building and that kind of a thing, this is our missions week and it's a big deal here at Johnson Ferry. We have a conference uh, on Wednesday and Thursday. We have a big dinner on Friday night and the next Sunday is our Move Sunday. And I wanna... Prepare your heart to come expectantly next week. As we do every year, we're gonna challenge you to put your yes on the table and to serve the Lord in some way with missions in 2023. And so we'll be giving you a card that will indicate ways that you can give financially, you can go on short-term trips, you can serve the vulnerable some other ways in our city and in our nation and world. And so come next week with a sense of anticipation about how you are gonna serve the Lord on his mission in this next year. Today we are jumping into week two of this series we've called What's In It For Me, or "With Them." And this is a series where I'm imagining that I'm sitting down with you or having coffee or something, and you're asking me, okay, I'm just gonna be honest. You talk about Jesus, you, you want me to follow Jesus, but what's in it for me? And that's a question I think every single person wrestles with, it's not the best final question, but it's certainly a starting question that a lot of us have. And so in this series, we're trying to tell you that everything you are looking for is ultimately and only found in Jesus. In fact, that idea that everything you're looking for is found in Jesus is at the heart of what drives us as a church. Our mission statement as a church is something that you may know by now or may know fragments of it, but I think it's worth us saying every single week throughout this series what's in it for me. Would y'all just say that with me today? What, what is our mission statement as a church? Let's say it together. We exist to help people find truth, belonging, and purpose in Jesus, and, and here's the bold claim, especially if you're not a follower of Jesus. You can go out and look for truth in all kinds of different sources. You can try to find belonging, a sense of community in all kinds of sources, even purpose. A lot of people talk about finding your why, finding your purpose. But you will only and finally find everything you're looking for in Jesus. And and that's what we're talking about. Last week we talked about being a people of truth. What's it look like for Jesus to be the center of truth in your life? And how do you walk in the ways of Jesus as his disciple? Today we're gonna talk about belonging. This idea of community, of connection, of doing life together, of of belonging together in in Christ. And so I thought maybe a fun way to start is just by thinking about that word belonging and maybe even starting with thinking about things that don't really belong when we put them together. For instance, there are some phrases that we use all the time that if you think about it, it's just odd that we put these two words together that don't belong together together. Like for instance, here's, here's one. Jumbo shrimp, like how does that make sense? I mean, is it big or small? Or here's one for some of you, this will resonate. Uh, honest golfer. Some, some of you, that doesn't seem, those two words don't seem, seem to go together. Uh, here's one, I don't, I don't really understand this. Uh, short sermon. Uh, that's, those are two words. I don't know why you're laughing. Uh, number f- <laughs> or four, we say this one all the time. Pretty ugly. Have you ever noticed that? Man, that dog is pretty ugly. Well, which one is it, is he pretty or is he ugly? I don't know, no, he's pretty ugly, that's what he is. Or here's two words that certainly don't belong together. Johnson's fairy. All right, two words that never, yes, thank you, The never belong together. Now, I know maybe back in the day it was Johnson's Ferry Road. This church ain't never been called Johnson's Ferry, all right? So I I swear one day I'm gonna get some T-shirts made. They're just gonna have like an apostrophe S on them, all right? It's gonna be our little inside joke. People won't get it, but we'll get it. We'll just laugh. (laughs) I get it, Johnson's (laughs) Ferry. Two things that don't belong together. I tell you, God wants us as his followers to belong to him and to belong him with one another. When we talk about belonging, we're talking about loving each other, caring for each other, serving each other, challenging other in healthy ways. All these are what it means to truly love and to do life with one another, to have, to have a unity. We often throw out that word common or community. And think about it, what is it? Common unity. The source of our unity is, of course, God. In Acts chapter two, we, we read about the early church and they had all these things in common and it says that they, they dedicated themselves to the apostles' teaching and to breaking the bread and prayer and they had awe and they shared all these things and they had fellowship together. The word fellowship is from the Greek word koinonia. It means partnership. Jesus wants us to demonstrate our partnership with one another in the things of God. In fact, in John 13, this is what Jesus said. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples. Now, what would you fill in the blank with that? By this, all people will know that you're my disciples. So, what's the answer? It's this. If you have love for one another. That's how people will know that you are my disciples, Jesus said, if you have love for one another. So what we wanna do today is go back to John chapter 17, which is where we were last week. And last week we talked about the idea that Jesus is praying that we're sanctified in truth. Today we're going to look at a lot of the prayer that Jesus prays around us being one. This prayer is sometimes called the high priestly prayer. It's an intimate look into the heart of Jesus and we're seeing what he's praying for. And by the way, did you know that you were in the Bible? In fact, we're going to read a prayer that Jesus prays and he's praying for you. Early in the prayer, he prays for himself. Then he prays for his 12 disciples. Of course, Judas would leave, wasn't a legitimate disciple. And then he prays for you. So let's look today at how Jesus prays for you. John 17, verse 20 through 23. If you're new to the Bible, you don't have a Bible, uh, we have it on the screen for you. Or if you're new to the Bible, don't ever feel ashamed to look at the table of contents. We're in the Gospel of John. Chapter 17, verse 20. Let's all stand together. I wanna read for you this incredible prayer that Jesus prays. Jesus had been praying for his disciples. Then here he's gonna pray for you. Verse 20. I am not asking on behalf of these alone, but also for those who believe in me through their word that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I also have given to them, so that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me, and you love them just as you loved me. Do you see how he prays for you in verse 20? I pray for those who will believe in me through their word. That their word is the word of the apostles. And, and we believe in Jesus because we have been given the word of the apostles that teach us the truth of who he is. And so Jesus is praying for us, which is really remarkable. The question is, what is he praying for us? And what difference does that make in our lives? Let's pray about that. Dear Jesus, we pray to you, and as we open up your word today in this time of studying the Bible, I pray that we would get a sense of what it means to be one, to belong to you, to belong to one another. And God, we ask that you would lead us towards our own next steps in terms of committing to this that you have prayed for us. Lord, we love you, we're listening, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. You guys can take a seat. So Jesus is talking here about, about being one. If, if you and I were sitting together and you said, okay, what's in it for me if I follow Jesus? And I said, well, part of what's in it for you is that you have a true sense of belonging, and you would probably ask a follow-up question, like, well, what do you mean by belonging? like, what's that to do with my life? I would, I would wanna talk to you about two blessings of belonging. Let's talk about these two blessings of belonging, and then I wanna talk about some practical next steps for all of us to think through as it relates to putting them into practice. So the first blessing of belonging is this, that we belong to God. We belong to God. So we're gonna first of all talk about this vertical dimension of our connection with our Heavenly Father. Jesus makes it a point to pray that our unity is rooted in first of all belonging to God. And in so doing, He talks about several different features of this in the short prayer that we read in verses 20 through 23. Like for instance, number one, or the first part is this. Jesus reminds us that we are in him. We are in him. Look in verse 21. He prays that we would all be one, and then he says, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, so that they also may be, here's the key phrase, in us. So Jesus here starts with his own sense of relationship in the Godhead, the triune God. Or are we talk about the Trinity? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. All equally God, all three distinct persons. I know that's very confusing for all of us. But Jesus says here that the Father is connected to the Son, the Son is connected to the Father, and then Jesus wants us who believe to be found in them. So the sense of unity doesn't start with us, it starts with God. A lot of people talk about wanting to have world peace. A lot of people wanna talk about how do we come together as humanity? How do we come together as a nation? And those are good conversations and those are great desires. But according to Jesus, we will never find unity apart from the help and the power of God. True unity starts with first belonging and being in him. Now, that doesn't mean that people can't come together to do great things. In fact, I was thinking about this uh, during the pandemic. I watched a documentary that a lot of you watched, uh, The Last Dance. Anybody watch that, Last Dance? Yep. Uh, A couple people did. Carter, glad you did. Thank you. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I'm watching you. All right, 98. All right, so this is about the 98 bulls and... The 1998 Bulls, if you grew up about my age, you know, you idolize Michael Jordan. I mean, everything's Michael Jordan, you love Michael Jordan, he's a great basketball player. And so all I knew was the basketball stuff. I had no idea there was so much dysfunction on the team in winning their sixth championship. And you may have saw this as well, but like for instance, uh, Steve Kerr and Michael Jordan get along, they had in a fist fight one practice, that's awesome. Um, there was one time, Scottie Pippen decided to have surgery that would take him out half the season without consulting anybody. And so that was a big issue for them. Jerry Krause, who owned the Bulls, didn't get along with, with, uh, with Phil, uh, gosh, why am I losing his name? Jackson, it's the third service, love you guys. Phil Jackson. <laughs> they didn't get along and he wanted him gone. Dennis Rodman, how weird is that guy? Dennis Rodman. <laughs> disappears to Las Vegas because he needs a break from his million dollar job, apparently. Michael Jordan had to get on a plane, fly to Vegas to basically find him and bring him back to the basketball. All all this dysfunction, and yet, and yet, in some ways, they experienced more connection than a lot of churches do because they found a way that through their dysfunction and differences, they came together and they won a championship. Now, I understand that Basketball teams are seasonal, they come and go, and the church is much more important and deep than than a basketball team. But a lot of times in church, instead of finding our belonging first in God, we just leave when there's conflict. We just leave when there's struggle. We just leave when things get hard. Jesus wants us to recognize that unity is not found in us pursuing unity, it's found in us pursuing Jesus. We belong to God, we're in him. And secondly, He prays that we have his glory. He says we have his glory. Notice this in verse 22. He says, the glory which you have given me, I also have given to them so that they may be one just as we are one. Now what what do you think he means by glory? We talked about last week in the first part of the prayer, verses one through five, when Jesus prays that the Father would glorify him. That that was pretty clear because Jesus is saying, hey, the glory that I had before I came to the earth to die on the cross for the sins of the world, before I came to teach the ways of God, before I came to be resurrected, all the things that Jesus would accomplish in his earthly body, he was gonna go and ascend to be back with the Father in heaven and resume his rightful place of full glory. Now, we don't get that. We're not Jesus. But maybe what he's saying is that when he says, I have given them your glory, I have I have taught them and shown them the glory of the Son. In other words, these are people who understand who Jesus is, the difference he makes, and how you have true salvation in him. And so every single Sunday, I don't know where you've come from, I don't know what your background is, I don't know what your religious experiences are, we would plead with you to understand who Jesus is, to understand the Savior of the world who died on the cross to give you a fresh start, the Savior of the world who wants you to have joy and fulfillment, the Savior of the world that wants you to find truth. He wants you to find belonging. He wants you to find a purpose, a why, bigger than your life, so much so that he died on the cross for you that you could have him. So every single Sunday, we we plead with you Put your faith in Christ, come to Christ, cross the line from death to life, receive the gift of salvation only through Jesus because then and there you'll have his glory. Now, not everyone does that, not every one of you have done that. A lot of people reject Jesus. A lot of people reject not Jesus, but their false views of Jesus or their false views of life. I read a quote by Steve Jobs, who of course is synonymous with with Apple before he died of cancer he he wrote this he said death is very likely the single best invention of life it is life's change agent it clears out the old to make way for the new right now the new is you but someday not too long from now you will be you will gradually become the old and be cleared away what a depressing view of life i mean seriously you think that's it steve jobs like we just We just are born, and then you make a few differences, you change a few things in your life, and then you just die, and almost like hitting delete on a keyboard, your life is just gone. That is not the way of Jesus. In fact, Jesus wants you to have eternal life. Jesus wants you to have everlasting life. Jesus doesn't want you to just have truth, belonging, and purpose now. He wants you to have truth, belonging, and purpose forever. And he has shown this to you. He has given us his glory. All right, thirdly, what does Jesus give us or tell us? He reminds us in this sense of being belonging to him that we are loved by him, that we are loved by him. I don't think we talk enough about the love of God. And I think it's because we live in a culture of kind of do better. We live in a culture where there are people who say they're Christians and they're not, and so there's this tendency to kind of beat them up, and you need to do more, you need to prove that you're truly a disciple, you need to, and, and I guess there's a healthy place for that conversation, but we don't talk a lot about the love of God. We talk about doing more for God, doing better for God. We're, we're like one pastor said, we, we are the church telling people with one legs, how, how to one leg, legs, hello, third service, how to run faster and jump higher. That's what it feels like at times. But Jesus Christ constantly reminded us that we are loved by him. And that love should translate in how we treat others. Listen to what he said in John chapter 13. Jesus said, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commands, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. I love that. Jesus wants us to be filled with joy. And he says, yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other, love each other in the same way I have loved you. So you're asking, well, how have you loved us? He says, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And of course, Jesus would lay down his own life for us on the cross. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you and appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command, love each other. In verse 23 of this prayer in John 17, he reminds us that the world is gonna see that the Father loved us just as he loved Jesus. We have this uh, little Bible at our house. Many of you might have read this to your kids, especially when they're, they're younger, called the Jesus Storybook Bible. I don't know if you have that, it's a great Bible. And I love that the author of that Bible, he's from a, you know, the human author who kind of put that together for kids. She talks often about the love of God and it's her way of weaving the gospel throughout every story in the Bible. And I love how she talks about the love of God and the gospel. She says, she calls it God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. And I love that about the love of God. That is, it's never stopping, it's never giving up, it's unbreaking, it's always and it's forever. God, when we say yes to Jesus, adopts us into his family. So what Jesus is reminding us is that when I talk about belonging, it doesn't start with how you get along with one another. It starts with you seeing that in Christ, you belong to God. Isn't that amazing? And once we understand the vertical part that we belong to our heavenly father, then, then it starts to change into how we treat one another horizontally, which is why I said earlier that to have unity, don't pursue unity, pursue Jesus. And the byproduct of us all pursuing Jesus is that we'll have unity. So first we talk about belonging to God. Here's the second blessing of belonging. We belong to each other. We belong to each other. And this is what I wanna think practically about what this looks like. Jesus in this prayer doesn't give us a list of to-dos and not to-dos when it comes to loving each other, though the scriptures speak a lot about that. But I want us to think about some of the aspects of belonging to each other, and I wanna give you a few practical next steps as you think about what it looks like to belong to one another in the body of Christ. So what does it mean if we are gonna belong to one another? Well, it means firstly that there needs to be a visible unity, a visible unity. In verse 21, when Jesus is praying that we are all one and that we would all be in him, notice the end of verse 21, why? So that the world may believe that you sent me. We'll talk more next week about the sense of mission and purpose and helping the world to believe in Jesus. But what he's saying is that whatever belonging and unity looks like in the body of Christ, a watching world should be able to see it. So belonging can't just be this internal, like I feel like I belong to God. It has to be accompanied by some visible demonstrations of being a part of the body of Christ. I think there are many ways that we do that in the scriptures, but it's something that we need to think more about when it, when it comes to just showing up and participating. And being a part of the body of Christ. I read a statistic, and these are the kind of things that pastors, you know, we get we get all the time, all these statistics about church involvement and church membership and church participation. And even before the pandemic, we, we saw it decreasing pretty substantially, and then and then it kind of fell off during the pandemic. And from the best we can tell, as far as the numbers that I've seen, the average number of times that a committed church member, I don't exactly know what that means, but this is what they tell you, a committed church member comes to church 1.7 times a month. Now, I don't know how you pull off the .7, maybe you leave early, I've seen some of y'all leaving early, maybe that's how you do it, I don't know. But that's what they say, the average church member comes to church 1.7 times a month. Now I don't know what that means for you, But I do see that all the time. People say, man, I love Jesus, love the church, love it here, we're here, and you are here, as long as it's not a beautiful weekend, or you don't have a travel baseball team, or you don't have that wedding, or you're just tired from, I mean, you you get where I'm getting with this. But your participation matters. Do you need to be here every single Sunday? I mean, look, we all have life, we all get sick, we all have a couple weeks, I, I get all that. But God wants you to be visibly part of the body of Christ. Your participation matters, your sacrifice matters, your giving matters, your membership matters. Sometimes uh, people kind of balk at the whole, why do I have to join the church? You don't have to join the church. You don't have to join a church to be part of, you know, to go to heaven. But as a general rule, wherever we live, whether it's in Atlanta or you move to another city, you should find a local church and, and be all in, whatever all in means. And for us, that means being officially part of the body of Christ. In fact, a lot of you, Um, would like to join, but you haven't done it for whatever reason, we would love to help you join. In fact, we do something, we call it our pathway to partnership. Every single month, we talk about this, that on the second Sunday of the month, and every now and then we slide these because holidays, but most of the time, second Sunday of the month, we do something called Explore, quick little 15-minute reception, and then, the third Sunday of the month, we, we do a class called Discover. That's a class that helps you to join the church. You can join Johnson Ferry at Discover. In fact, I will be at the next one, March the 19th. And so, if you're someone who's saying, I've just waited for a sign from God to join the church, this is your sign right now, this is it. Your sign is your preacher telling you, come to join the church on March the 19th, and I'm gonna be there, I would love to meet you there, but it's so important, it's so important to be a part of the body of Christ. And if it's not this body of Christ, go find another one. But, but be all in wherever you serve the Lord. A lot of times with parents, we see kids who grow up and go to college and in college, after college, don't really make church a priority. And look, I, I get there's a difference between making church priority and Jesus priority. I, I got all that. But often, not always, often, those are kids of parents who treated the church as secondary. And your kids will not treat as primary what you treat as secondary. So the model that you're leaving for them as a parent matters how you plug in to your local church. There needs to be a visible unity. Secondly, there needs to be a growing unity. Jesus, in this text, in verse 23, says that they would be in him, and then he says that they may be perfected in unity. Perfected in unity. That means this unity has to grow. It has to be perfected. There there are growing pains, if you will, that come with growing together as the body of Christ, and belonging to one another. Unity is not uniformity. The, The goal is not that everyone dresses alike, or talks alike, or thinks exactly alike. But it means that with Jesus at the center of our life, we come together, unity isn't uniformity, unity isn't the absence of conflict. Sometimes we have to wrestle through hard things. Sometimes we gotta learn how to forgive one another. Sometimes we gotta learn how to bear one another's burdens. Sometimes we have to evaluate, are are we being the unified church that God wants us to be? I think at Johnson Ferry there are a lot of different ways that we demonstrate the unity of the body of Christ. But that doesn't mean that we can't always evaluate, are there ways to grow? I think a particular landmine for us is this idea that we do worship in two venues. And there are some good things about that. The bad thing about that is sometimes we can have two churches under one roof. When God's ideal is that we are striving together in the things of Jesus. And there are growing pains associated with growing together in Jesus. But that's not new. The New Testament's filled with examples of that. In fact, 1 Corinthians 13, which is a text that's read at a lot of different weddings. You know, love is patient, love is kind. And we think that's so sweet. You know, the bride's up here, the groom's up here. And I hate to break it to you, that text has nothing to do with marriage, all right? Now, it applies, because it's talking about love generally. But that text is all about a church that's fighting. It's a church that's, that's not getting along. It's a church that thinks some groups are more important than other groups within the church. And He says, Jesus' way is a way of love. So love is patient, love is kind, love is long-suffering. All these things apply to the local church. And so there's growing in that. Now you might ask, well, what, what, how, how do I get connected here? How do, how do I belong at Johnson Fair? I've been coming to worship, what do I do? I would say, look, the, the best next step for you is to find a small group. To find a small group. Groups are where you're cared for, at least you should be cared for in a group. Groups are places that should hold you accountable to truth. Groups are places that you should serve together, that you should love each other together. That's what groups are all about, and we want you to find a group. In fact, there are two practical ways that you can do that. All morning long, out at the pergola in our atrium, we've had some of our staff members out there that are there to help you find a group. So I would love in just a few minutes, and we're dismissed, that you would just stop by there for five minutes and say, hey, i just like a little more information, and they would love to help you know how to find a group. You may say, well, I don't wanna do that in person. All right, great. Well, let's talk about a way you can do that online. So it's very simple. You can go to our website. You can see a little video here that kind of does that. This is what they call a web address. You can type that in, all right? And then you click it, and then it takes you to a page where you get to see the beautiful face of Stephen Bottom right there at the top. And then you click on a group you'd like to look at, maybe a connect group, and you're gonna see that some of those are Sunday mornings. Some of those happen throughout the week. There are those for married couples, single adults. They're there for men and women, and combined, all the above, different things, categories that we try to you know, put people in. But you may go, I still need more help, or I didn't find one that fits me, so you'd like to talk to somebody. So you just click on this, and then you fill out a very basic form here. And then after you fill that out, you scroll down, and at the bottom, you're gonna basically hit submit. And when you do that, it's gonna come to one of our staff members here at the church, and then our pledge to you is in 48 hours, we wanna give you some information about how to take a next step. And that website can just help you to do that. But however you get there, we wanna encourage you to find a group. All right, so this unity is visible, it's growing, and then lastly, it's a loving unity. When we belong to one another, there's love there. And I ask for just some short examples from some of our people about ways they've seen the body of Christ step up for them, to love them, to care for them. And there's a lot of wonderful examples of that. In fact, more than I have time to read. So these are just little snapshots of people who got involved in groups. But I think this is helpful just to think about what's it look like for us to belong to one another? Here's three or four little examples. Somebody wrote, there was this new couple in our connect group. They had lived here for only a short while and the mom had to have foot surgery that would keep her non-bearing weight you know, for a, she couldn't couldn't bear weight on this leg for a good length of time. Shortly after the surgery, The dad was walking down the stairs, I think he tripped and he tore his knee tendons. So then he had to be where he couldn't bear weight on a leg for a length of time. They had two young kids at the home and this meant they said that the connect group had the opportunity to step in with food, with laundry. And the needs were so great that when it became too much for this group to handle, another connect group stepped in to help as well. And this group helped them drive to appointments, pick up groceries and with kids transportation after school. There was another group, I love this. These leaders from a group had a lot of couples with young kids in it. And they recognized the way they could serve these families. So for two weekends in a row, they hosted movie nights for the kids at their house so the parents could go out on a date night. You're like, when and where is that group? How do I find out? <laughs> and and they made this event so much fun for the kids that they even made tickets for them to attend and just try to create a space of belonging for married couples. There was was a woman who was in a Titus II group, this was a part of our women's ministry, a couple years ago, and their group actually ended, as a lot of these groups do, they're seasonal. But about three years later, she told a few of those members that she had unfortunately suffered a second miscarriage. Well, she came home from having a procedure at the hospital and there she found dinner from her favorite restaurant, a basket on her porch with heating pads, pajamas, books to read. And he said, she said, they even helped watch my children so I could go to follow-up appointments. I love this one or just our high school ministry. There was a small group leader in our high school ministry who noticed that a lot of the girls in her group were lonely. And you know, there's a lot of statistics right now about how young women in particular are really struggling with a sense of identity and loneliness. Anyways, the girls in the group start to invite one another to dinner on Friday nights and help one another find friends. And I could go on and on and on. These are just simple little snapshots of what it looks like to have this common unity in Jesus. And that's his prayer, that we would be one, that we would belong to God and we would belong to one another. That's his heart. Is that your heart? Think about this question. How Am I fostering belonging with others? How am I fostering belonging with others? Let's pray about that this morning. Dear Jesus, thank you for the gospel. Thank you for coming to give us belonging with you through your death on the cross. Lord, I know that in this room, there's someone here today who's never given their life to Jesus. They're not really all in with you, but they're curious and they're asking questions. They're wondering about life after death. And Lord, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. That they would say yes to Jesus today. Ask you to come into their life, to forgive them from their sin and to give them the gift of the Holy Spirit that they might walk with you both now and forever. God, would they believe in you? We pray that today, they have belonging with you. Lord, I know there's a lot of other people in this room. They need to belong more to one another and to truly be a part of the body of Christ. So God, I think there's a lot of ways you would challenge us with this, but just speak to us, Lord. God, I pray that we're a church that makes you proud because of the unity we have in Jesus. God, you are worth singing to, as we've already done today, a thousand hallelujahs, 10,000, a billion hallelujahs, because of all you've done in our life. So what better way to end than to sing that to you again. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray and we sing. Amen.